0: The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: Welcome to the Church of Roy, a Sports Drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And we're here, are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewell. Welcome everybody to the latest
2: edition of the Church of Roy podcast. We're getting closer and closer to episode number 69. So that's going to be a big, big moment for us on this podcast. So uh, oh. yeah, I just had to go there. You know, I'm getting excited. The countdown, the countdown's coming. Um, I'm your host. As always, Steve DeWald and I am joined by my co-host, a fan of the Colorado Avalanche who are on their way to the Stanley Cup finals after sweeping who they who they play this is how this is how on top of things I am. I I should know this. Uh, you really really a following.
3: Yeah, there you go. There Wait you it. go, Edmonton. Yeah.
2: So, um, anyway, Brian Wilcox, how you doing? Have you come down off the high to have a team in the finals? Your first favorite team to be in the finals since—I mean, you were a wee lad in '92. Yeah,
3: probably since I've been able to wipe my own ass, this is the first team that I've followed that has made it. And let me tell you, Steve, it's a really nice change of pace for me. It's been a lot of fun. City's alive, uh, nice and sunny here. People are just excited to get this thing going. So, um, yeah, been pretty fun, man. Been been able to go to a few games here and there too. So able to watch it close and uh yeah it's been it's been great
2: wow i'm happy for you On, on on a smaller note there there's actually i mean it's not quite to the level of a team making it to the finals or a championship series but here in portland i think something finally happened for the blazers that everyone got excited about and there was just like widespread support across the fan base and that was reported last week after we recorded. I mean, we're a little late to this, but we need to talk about it. Uh, yep. Phil Knight and an owner and his ownership group, which is also features one of the main people from the the Dodgers ownership group um, submitted a $2 billion offer to buy the Blazers. Um, Phil Knight, you know, bases his, his Nike company here in Oregon, uh, you know, feels like Oregon's favorite son, um, even though he's 85, not really a son anymore, but um, everybody was really excited and it kind of just opened up the imagination to what it would be like. I'd imagine what it felt like when, you know, Paul Allen kind of stepped in that position, someone with a lot of resources um, someone who was very enthusiastic about, about sports. I mean, we've seen what Phil Knight has done with the Oregon ducks program athletically. Um, So yeah, big excitement there. And then kind of instantly kind of squashed a little bit when the, the team comes out and says, you know, well, the Blazers aren't for sale. And then this is, this is happening before game one of the NBA finals, which Adam Silver has his big media availability. And he basically says, you know, yo-yos it back in the other direction and says, well, the Blazers are going to be for sale. So like this idea that they're not is is a little silly. So Brian, what do you make of one Phil Knight potentially owning the Blazers and two the posturing, like, are, are, do you think the deal is done or is it just part of business?
3: First of all, I love the back and forth. And the fact that Silver just came right out, <laughs> it was like, well, maybe they're not for sale now, but they're going to be. Like, Jody's been a great steward, but, you know, this is not a long-term thing. Just kind of cracked me up. Um, I think Phil Knight's just trying to scare off potential buyers early is kind of mm-hmm. the move here. To, I think $2 billion. that rivals the one point. 7 billion that the Jazz were bought for, and I believe 2020. And so a hair over, but I think he'd be willing to go up a little bit. I think he'd probably have to, to get an NBA franchise. Um, you could argue that maybe, you know, lingering expansion might drive that down a little bit, but I think he's just trying to get ahead of it. And personally, I absolutely love it. You know, I, I don't think you could do much better. Um, I do kind of wonder if there's some Weird conflicts, interest with Nike, and how that all shakes out. But I think you can probably figure it out. And so, to me, this is fantastic news. Granted, he's not not a young buck by any yeah. means, but I think that he's a smart enough guy. You can get kind of a plan in place to, to have a strong ownership team in place that would keep the team in Portland. Which, as we've discussed, I don't think it's a huge threat. And even Adam Silver went out of his way to mention it. But um, I love it, man.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But let's get him in there. Let's go. Broncos sales movement. So, yep,
2: yep, <laughs> it, yeah. So that's the other thing too as we as we talked about on the show is that the team that is brokering the deal for the Blazers sale is handling the Broncos sale right now which it it was the news broke, you know, yesterday or the day before, um the, the heir to the Walmart fortune <laughs> is uh, is buying the Broncos yeah. for about 4.5 billion dollars, which uh, NFL is, you know, america's most popular sport i mean their tv deal is ironclad i mean it's a huge revenue stream that's why there's a price difference um when it comes to the blazers and prices just to kind of put it in perspective a little bit too you know you mentioned the jazz also the timberwolves recently sold 1.5 billion dollars so okay. it'll be interesting I about see, that one I about it'll that. be interesting to see where the the blazers deal kind of finally ends up but i do think it is that i mean this is going to be a negotiation and Phil Knight's group by making sure it came public, became public was, you know, they're going to engage in the public spotlight because really with someone like Phil Knight in this market, he's incredibly popular. I think John Canzano alluded to this. He is, he is winning the court of public public uh, was it public appeal. I don't know. Opinion. opinion that's it. Yep. My brain is moosh. But um <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing too, I mean, you mentioned the Nike connection and is there going to be a conflict of interest? Um, I don't want to steal too much, but Ryan Rossillo kind of broke this down a little bit over the weekend. It was kind of a tail end of one of their podcasts with Bill mm-hmm. Simmons, but you know, th- this isn't new. I mean, LeBron James basically is one of the lead partners for clutch. Um, we we've seen conflicts of interest before. Um, I, I think it will be monitored by the league, but. Really, Phil Knight could have swayed this before and he just never has. I mean, trying to encourage a player to come to Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what? As a Blazer fan, I I almost, you know, a little greedy. I'm willing to do whatever. And I mean, if worst case scenario, it maybe levels the playing field as for the Blazers as a free agent destination. It's not like it's going to make them a juggernaut on like on par with you know the LA markets. So I I'm really not too worried about it. I don't think the league is too worried about it. I think Phil Knight would be great for the league. Um, so yeah, I'm all for it. Sounds like good Brian's news. all for it. We're we're yeah. Hey, good news. So the other thing that I do want to touch on is there was some rumors from Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer. Um, you know, you never really know how these originate from, and we've talked about this. Quite a bit already, but the Blazers' abundance of flexibility this offseason makes them a prime target for rumors. And we're seeing that now, especially as we get closer and closer to the draft. Um,
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day.
4: It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
2: But Kevin O'Connor basically, you know, furthered the rumor that Zach Levine is a potential target for the Blazers or there's potential interest. This could be a new home for the the Bulls all-star guard. And then also for the first time, we've heard the name Bradley Beal mentioned with the Blazers, and that was Kevin O'Connor as well. Um, we've talked about Zach Levine a lot. Any thoughts on Bradley Beal? What do you make of it? Um, there's a little bit of mechanics that have to go into it, whether or not he opts into his contract, what he does there and how basically this trade would potentially materialize. So what do you think
1: of Bradley Beal? Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Oi called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store.
3: I mean, in a vacuum, I love Beal. I've always been a big fan of his game. Um, I think him next to Dame would be a better fit than McCollum. You know, Beal kind of played second fiddle to John Wall for years. Um, A highly dominant point guard, and so... I think him and David make a nice partnership as far as the likelihood of it. Of it, it just kind of seems like we're in every single rumor out there. And mm-hmm. so um, I think Beale on the record has stated he's pretty content with Washington, right? And so I was a little surprised to hear him thrown out there. But um, KOC really hit on um, Beale and Lillard's friendship through the, the Olympic process mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So. You know, maybe there's something there. I still just think we're kind of that team that's getting tossed and everything right now. Just, yeah. I think, you know, while it, a lot of it is flexibility, I do also think that Cronin is going out and trying to make a big swing. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether he's really has a side set on Beal or if he's just kind of poking around, who knows? But again, I think Adrian touched on this a couple of weeks ago that it's kind of nice to hear us in some shit. And just mm-hmm. maybe we're trying to do something. I mean, I don't know if, Feels the perfect fit there. Uh, we've kind of seen a little bit of that play out with the CJ thing, right? But yep. um, kind of neat and in a vacuum. I, I really do like his game, I like him as a player.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously he doesn't have like a deep playoff run, but neither does Zach, Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. I think uh, as a fit, I like it more than Zach Levine, obviously. There yeah. are some concerns with me as – how his relationship with John wall deteriorated is kind of what the, the buzz was coming out of the wizards for a while. Um, I, I do think he is a step in the right direction. We I mean, obviously be a huge swing. There's a lot of teams that have called about Bradley Beal over the years. I don't really see what the Blazers have that suddenly makes the Wizards want to make that deal get done, um, other than just Bradley Beal outright asking out. And I'm assuming if Bradley Beal has been so patient for so long with that organization, it would be weird for him to ask out, when he has flexibility, to ask out and then pursue – you know, the Blazers as his marquee destination. I just think it's maybe it's a bridge too far for me as much as I'd like to believe it. But I do want to take that concept as far as, you know, the Blazers being involved in all these rumors. And I want to play a little game with Brian that he did not know about before getting on the show. And basically, I'm going to hit you with seven items. And I want us to go through and rank them of what you think is most likely to happen to least likely to happen. And these are kind of the rumors that we've heard so far. Um, some of these can be worked in tandem, but a lot of these would be one or the other in a lot of cases. So I'm going to drop these in our very professional Zoom chat so you can see I, them. I always love when you spring a game on me. <laughs> yeah. It's always good. It's, it's always kind a of a my favorite time. thing. You know, basically – I'm you know, people thought I wanted to do a podcast. I really just wanted to hit you with random trivia games and ranking games. So
3: I like it. Um, I like here it. we
2: go. So unless I, it's qualified in the question, um, or in the outcome, it means it's this off season. So here's your choices. Choose wisely, and <laughs> and we'll kind of work through these. Um, so first option is the Blazers are purchased by Phil Knight before this time next year. Number two, DeAndre Aiden ends up with the Blazers. The Blazers trade for OG newbie. Bradley Beal comes to Portland. Zach Levine signs with the Blazers or is traded to the Blazers. The Blazers trade for Detroit Pistons forward Jeremy Grant, or the Blazers use the number seven pick on a prospect. So, here we go. Let's start with what you think is the most likely to happen of all these things on this list. <clears throat> you want me to go all first, right, man.
3: <laughs> no, I'll go. I'm, okay. I'm processing, downloading. Um, you, you know, I'm going to go – I know this might get a little bit a of side-eye from some people, but I'm going to go the Blazers actually use the number seven pick on a prospect. I'm going to tell you why. There's no guarantee that they're going to find something out there that they like with that pick. And so I think that the Jeremy Grant stuff is probably – A little overblown at this point. I don't think the pieces fit, even though he's going to be pretty high on my list here. But if I'm just looking at the most likely thing to happen, I'm going to go with the thing the Blazers currently have in their possession. That's number seven pick. I think that's the most likely outcome.
2: All right. So number one, the Blazers for Brian is what you think is most likely to happen is the Blazers will use a number seven pick on a prospect that will play for them. Um, correct. I can already see we're going to, we're going to be a little different on this list. So good, good. my number one for most likely that I believe is going to happen, I think is the worst kept secret in the NBA. I think Jeremy Grant will be a Portland trailblazer next year. I think they will get the deal done. I don't know if it will be for the number seven pick. I certainly hope not. Um, I think that's a little too much for a player like Jeremy Grant, but for me, I, I think it's the most likely, I think, No matter what happens elsewhere in this offseason, if they go and get Grant, which I think is the most achievable of all the things on this list, Mm -hmm. outside of using the number seven pick on a prospect, I think it's the one that's most likely to happen and most likely to appease Dame or make Dame happy about a situation in Portland. Therefore, it lands at the top of my list as number one most likely to happen. All right, Brian. Hit me with the next one. Moving down the list. So we're moving towards least likely to happen.
3: My number two most likely to happen would be the Blazers trade for Jeremy Grant. I'm hoping, you know, because kind of your point earlier that a couple of these things could happen in tandem. Ideally, Portland, you know, does use that seven pick on Grant. Maybe they flip the box pick and some other stuff, key on whatever. And that's how they end up with them. But out of all the other options on there, I'm going Jeremy Grant number two, which Probably
2: not a shocker. All right. All right. So we are going to continue not agreeing here. Um, (laughs) I am going to go for my second most likely to happen is I believe Phil Knight will own this team within a year. I think Phil Knight was told no by by Magic Johnson all those years ago for a shoe deal. And I don't think he's accepted (laughs) no for an answer since. Um, I think he, he is in it to win it. I think it's not accident uh, an accident that this has been made public. Um he has the resources, he has the cachet and not only in the local market but also nationally. Uh I think the price maybe comes up a bit if that is the sticking point, but I think he has the resources to do so. Um, I also don't, another thing too is with the conflict of interest that I forgot to mention, he is not an active board member for Nike. I mean, he certainly has influence, but like I mm-hmm. think there's an easy way to to make this work with, with the NBA if there is any concern. So for me, that is the second most likely outcome for me this, this upcoming year. So that's the only one that's a little longer than this off season, but I do believe Phil Knight is in position to own the trailblazers. Brian, number three for you.
3: It's Phil Knight owner the trailblazers. So Boom. we're not too far off. We're not too far off. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that he's, while well, he's the only guy who's come out and said publicly he's interested, he's going to be far from the only person that's interested in this team. And, you know, before this time next year with the finals still going on, I think if a sale happens, it's going to be over the summer. And so, or you know, kind of later summer after the season's wound down. and so I don't have anything to back that up. It's just a gut feel, and so yep, I got Phil yeah. Knight buying the team, owning the team before this time next year is number three most likely, which probably says more about the likelihood of how I feel about some of these <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> these other off season moves actually happening than you know. You know, of of the options, I, I will say that is also up there. That is one of the leading things for me as well. Uh, I'm going to go number three. I'm going to go – I'm still going to keep dreaming big. I think the situation in Phoenix has gotten oh. to its breaking point. I think DeAndre Ayton is going to play somewhere else next season, and I think why not the Blazers? I think they they have the right mix of flexibility, uh, a sign-and-trade option with Yusuf Nurkic where the Suns can still stay on a relevant trajectory with Yusuf Nurkic in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I think Deandre Ayton raises the ceiling here. I think he he plays well with Dame in the short term and then long term you're talking about building a core around Anthony Simons and Deandre Ayton. I like it. Uh, this might be a little bit of wishful thinking, but I'm going to go for number 3 for me most likely to happen this offseason is Deandre Ayton somehow some way ends up with the Portland Trail Blazers.
3: Over actually taking the number 7 pick.
2: I like I hope you're right, Steve. <laughs> I like it. Yep. so go ahead number four for you so now we're getting we're we're, we're past the turning point so now we're really firmly trending towards least likely to happen
3: it's getting weird so what we have left on my board is deandre Aiden, uh a trade for og and and bradley bill coming to portland exactly to yep and so we're not that far off man because i'm also going to go Aiden. um out of the four guys remaining i think he's the only one that's you know, while you've heard some rumblings about Levine in, in Chicago that maybe he's, he's got a little bit of a wandering eye, but mm-hmm. Aiden's the one that sticks out as being disgruntled. And mm-hmm. I think while all four of those guys are, are pretty good assets, Aiden's the only one that has maybe made it a little more clear that he'd like a change of scenery. And so for that reason, I think he's probably the most likely to leave out of that four. And why not get Portland involved? So I'm going Aiden for my all next right. choice.
2: All right. So now here's here's one of my big shockers. And now you're going to have to let me t- like explain this of why I think this way. And it's not going to be the most positive thing we're going to talk about on this podcast. So, again, this is trending towards the least likely to happen. But for me, it is Zach Levine comes to Portland. <laughs> and this is why I think it could happen. We've seen things not necessarily go according to plan for Joe Cronin. I think, I think he's tried to take a big (laughs) swing here and I think he has tried to do the right thing. I think he's created flexibility, but like we've seen with how the Pelicans pick worked out. We've seen with, you know, maybe the suspect value they actually got back for Robert Covington and Norman Powell, these things kind of like we might be trending towards things, not going exactly as how we hope, like basically the first slam dunk clear win move that Joe Cronin makes this offseason will be the first one he makes period and during his tenure with the Blazers. True. So I think there is a reality where the bulls and Zach Levine, their talks for an extension stagnate. The Blazers miss out on their first few options. So all of a sudden they're the only team with flexibility that needs to make a big swing here. And Zach Levine is still there. I think they maybe get the deal done now. Does it make sense for this team going forward? Does it answer any of the problems that plagued this team for the last six, seven years? No, but maybe they're able to make a trade down the road. Um, I mean, it certainly would be an exciting team, but I don't think it moves you know them any closer to being a true title contender. But that doesn't mean that I don't think it won't happen because I've been a Blazer fan for long enough to know that this off season is not going to go exactly how we planned it. So. I'm going to go Zach Levine, number four on my list for most likely to happen. Wow. Well. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> yeah, I got, I, I got you speechless, bud. I
4: hate all that.
3: I hate it all. Um, I'm just going to move on. I, I'm yep. just moving right on past that. I'll address Levine when he comes up on my list, which is not right now. Right now, it would beat the Blazers trade for OG and Anubi. And I think it's because Portland would be willing to part with quite a bit get a young talented two-way wing Um, and as you know I'm not super optimistic about this trade actually going down just because of the value of these players in today's NBA but um, yeah there's you know maybe a little smoke there and so while there's the same Levine smoke I think Portland's still so invested in Anthony Simons and they're ready to sign him to fill that two guard spot for the foreseeable future they're more likely to make a trade happen to get their number three uh small part of the future so okay. i'm going with og and newbies my we're getting down a little lesser <laughs> likely but but yeah. that's my
2: next one third least likely to happen so yes, anyway so you know i'm finally gonna do it i think for me your number one pick is about to become my number five most likely really? to happen i think the blazers are going to do everything in their power to move this pick in some way. Now, will they get another pick (laughs) in the process? Maybe move down, maybe move up. Who knows? But I just don't see them willingly taking a player at number seven. I think they're kind of in no man's land as far as this draft goes. I think, you know, with Keegan Murray probably off the board, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, I just think they're in a tough spot here. And I think they're going to do everything they can to move it. And I think part of that is, you know, making sure they're making a meaningful move to make Dame happy. Now, whether that's, you know, getting a a role player and another pick down maybe later in the draft, you know, Mm -hmm. let's do it. But I, I just don't see them selecting at that number seven spot. I think there's going to be some movement on draft night. So that's my number five on my list. Brian, you got two choices left. You got Bradley Beal. And Zach Levine. You already know how I feel about Zach Levine, so go ahead, let yep. it rip.
3: I still can't believe you have them using the pick at five, my friend. It takes two to tango for every one of those other options. Hey,
2: if there's that a deal option, out there, Joe Cronin's going to find <laughs> yeah. it it's a bad deal. <laughs> All right.
3: Uh, I'm not going to address that right now. Yep. All right, yep. so Beal or Levine? I, I, Levine. Excuse me.
2: No, I Levine. see I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah, I
3: know. You got – you planted that seed in my head. Um, I'm going to go Levine more so just because – well, no. Actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> Levine is not a Portland guy. This is all his agency just blowing smoke. There's no way he's coming to Portland. I think it's two to
2: tango, bud. <laughs> desperate team and desperate agency.
3: I'm, I'm leaning – I'm going to go Bradley Beal um, just because – I'm having a hard time justifying this one, but you know, that, that bond created with Damian Lillard is enough to turn essentially the East coast version of Damian Lillard, you know, to the point where he's ready to ask out and join his buddy in Portland. So, you know, this is basically seven A and seven B that I'm down to or yep, whatever, but
1: yep, yep. I'll go
3: Beal.
2: Okay. So that means Levine is number seven for you. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Nope. Um <laughs> Do you, do you want to elaborate on that before I go into my final two? Since we know your final two, anything else? No, it's,
3: it's all smoke. They'd have, to, they'd have to be a sign and trade, or they have to announce free agents, right? To make this thing happen. And I just don't know why. If you're Cronin, you have a homegrown guy at Simons who mm-hmm. they share some, a lot of similarities in the way they play, some differences, but um, just keep the homegrown guy for probably a little cheaper and try to improve your roster. In another manner is all I got. All right. He's not, so, he's not a Portland guy. He's not Portland.
2: Hey, he's from Seattle. <laughs> so, exactly. Is. He's not yeah, a Portland I guy. I, I we, know. I know. We already talked about the how that how <laughs> that
3: Pacific Northwest going home thing's bullshit, Stevie.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I I'm I'm saying that facetiously. I've been thrown out of plenty of sounders of bars in my life to know that the bond between <laughs> Portland and Seattle is tenuous at best. So so I'm gonna go for number six for me. So I'm down to o- trade for OG and newbie and somehow end up with Bradley Beal. I'm going to go with OG and at number six, mainly yeah. because players like OG and do not grow on trees. He is a very useful player. He's been to an NBA finals. He can guard anybody on the perimeter. He can do useful things on off on offense and he's on a great contract. He's yeah. young. He's got plenty of upside left. Plus as it was reported by Jake Fisher, There's no proof that he has asked or expressed discontent with his situation in Toronto. I don't think he's leaving Toronto as much as I would love him to be a Blazer. Again, this is one I really hope I'm wrong on, but I don't see it happening. And I don't see Masai Ujiri taking, you know, the number seven pick, you know, in a box of nothing for one of his, you know, a quality 3&D player on an excellent contract. You're talking about a front office that really knows what it's doing so that leaves number seven for me Bradley Beal comes to Portland I touched on a little bit when we talked about the rumor initially um I just don't understand the timing like why now why now is it time for Bradley Beal to leave and if it is that time why would the Blazers be at the top of that list I mean he has the flexibility to basically choose where he wants to go with how he can opt out of his contract um so I, I just don't see it I don't see it at all. Number seven on my list. So just to recap real quick, Phil Knight purchased the Blazers. And again, this is from most likely to least likely in our opinions, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Knight purchased the Blazers. Number two on my list. Number three on Brian's list. DeAndre Aiden ends up with the Blazers. Number three on my list. Number four on Brian's list. Blazers trade for OG Anunoby. Number six on my list. Number five on your list. Bradley Beal comes to Portland. Number seven on my list. Dead last. Number six on Brian's list. Close to it. Here's the shocker. Zach Levine comes <laughs> to Portland. Number four on my list. Number seven on Brian's list. The Blazers trade for Jeremy Grant. That was number one on my list. I think it's a done deal. I think it's going to happen. Number two on Brian's list. Also fairly optimistic. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, And then finally, the Blazers Mm -hmm. actually use the number seven pick on a prospect, number five on my list, number one on Brian's
1: list. So there you go. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Oi called Colorcast. Colorcast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store.
3: I like, I like how on some of these, it's like, we're getting down to five, six, seven, And you're like, oh, and I have no prep time. You're like, okay, what's more likely? And the next year, we get hit by a massive meteor. The, yeah. the, the moon collides with the Earth, or the Cascadia earthquake happens. And I'm like, I don't know. Hey. Cascadia. let's not talk about hey, earth there was a- like okay sit there and defend that please i'm like well i don't think <laughs> any of them are gonna happen but <laughs> i guess if i have to rank them i'll rank them
2: john crotty coming out of retirement gonna play for the blazers baby it's number three yep number three number three on my list so anyway play along at home we want like if you do really disagree with me i think uh i think the zach Levine one might have just caused some people to turn off their radios or, or headphones or whatever they're listening Sorry, on folks. So I apologize for that, but I just couldn't resist. Um, So now, with that out of the way, I think we've covered a lot of the Blazer rumors we've heard about. I thought that was an interesting way to do that. Yeah. Um, So finally, as promised last week, we're going to talk a little bit about draft prospects, my big board. Again, this is going to mainly look – at players around that number seven pick, even though I don't think they're using the seven pick, but uh, (laughs) right in that range, that lottery range. Um, And then we're going to cut down the second round options a little bit compared to last week when we did the centers. Um, I'm going to basically throw out one name. Brian might throw out a name as well, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do more of a special pod going into the draft where I'm just going to clean out the notebook. I'm going to go through some sleepers. And I think that's a better, more effective way to talk about them. So today we're going to be talking about threes and fours. There's a lot of fours on this list. Um, I can tell you that right now. And then we're going to follow this up with more of like the true perimeter players, backcourt players, and our final big board one. And then we'll do kind of sleepers right before the draft. So kicking off, assuming the Blazers are going to pick around number seven, I think the top of my list is Keegan Murray, Iowa, uh, Forward, most likely a power forward at the next level. Um, one of the best scorers in college basketball last year. I don't know if he'll be on the board at number seven, but the Blazers are certainly in position to move up a little bit. And really, I there's some attractive higher upside options in front of or around Keegan Murray's range that could, you know, eventually bump him back. I think it would be uh a big gain for the Blazers if he fell into his range with them without them having to move up. But that being said, a little bit about Keegan Murray, we've talked a lot about him at the, sh- on this show. He did not measure at the combine, but it's believed he's six foot eight, about 225 pounds. Um, again, one of the best scoring options in college basketball had an inside out game um, efficient from all three levels. Um, but he is going to encounter a big leap in pace and level of competition at the next level. And if you look at his Ken Palm numbers, he has struggled a little bit inside the arc against higher level competition, which leads me to believe that he will be mainly, you know, a pick and pop floor spacer at the next level, which is still incredibly useful in the NBA, but might take away from, you know, that really true high ceiling that we might see in this range. Um, But still going, I think he's going to be a very incredibly useful NBA player at 22 years old. I like his chances to contribute early in his career, which could make him an attractive option for the Blazers on the Damian Lillard timeline. So Keegan Murray, number one on my list, Brian, what do you think?
3: Yeah. Barring anybody in that top three falling, I think he's my top target in this draft. I, you know, I, I, went through uh, your profile on him. And some of those numbers against better competition, you know, are, are a little scary, but I think he's also kind of a late bloomer. I think he's still getting better, even though he might be a little older than some of the other prospects, uh, not by a ton. He's 22, but um, yeah, I, I like the scoring poppy brings. I just think he knows how to play basketball. And while his, you know, he might be a little limited inside the arc, especially to start his career. I think his shooting stroke looks good and looks translatable. And I think he'd be a good add to the squad.
2: Yeah. And I mean, really, he's one of those players that I'm interested to see what the NBA game is going to do for him from a pace standpoint. I mean, it could also hurt him, but it also could help him. Mm-hmm. Um, he played against a lot of dinosaurs in that Big Ten. <laughs> so, like <laughs> and, and, you know, the pace was pretty slow. Um The floor could open up and he could be he definitely is a player that has a skill set that could benefit from from a more open floor. But again, I think some of his defensive versatility might get exposed in that setting. I think he got bailed Mm -hmm. out a little bit because of that at Iowa, but still, again, incredibly high floor player. Uh, I think he's going to be around in the NBA for a long time. I think he's got a lot of translatable skills. It's just that ceiling for me that I'm a little worried about. True but not worry enough to take him down from number one on my list. So <laughs> number two on my list is a guy I absolutely love. Um, I've talked about him a lot on this show. Uh, Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Uh, again, a three, four forward, uh, probably going to play a little bit of small ball five in his career as well. Um, just an absolutely high IQ player on both ends of the floor. Um, can switch can play in a team setting. He plays man-to-man individual defense at a high level. He plays inside his opponent's jersey, and he is just an absolute irritant by doing that, which I love. I've wanted the Blazers to get a type of player like this for a very long time, and I think he fits the bill. Um, Again, not only defensively but offensively, plays with a great amount of intensity, very smart, cerebral player. He's always seems to be one step ahead of the defense – really sees things well, does not panic, passes out of pressure, um, is always looking for that next pass or, or to get in a position where he's starting to bend that defense. And that's just hard traits to teach a player. Um, I think it's going to translate to the next level. I think he, he competes in all facets of the game. The big question for him is he does not have an outside game that has consistency, so he might get lost on offense If he doesn't have the ball, and really, if you're the Blazers, do you want Jeremy Silhan to have the ball a lot on offense? Probably not, um, unless you're tanking. So, And and hopefully they're not doing that this next year. Um, Again, I know Brian's going to bring it up. He was a six man at Baylor, and there is not a long track history or or track record of those players really flourishing at the next level. It's kind of a mixed bag. Um, So there are some significant questions. Also, he's not as athletic as you would think. It's not a true vertical stopper, so he he really relies on positioning and his intelligence on that end of the floor. But Jeremy Sohan, what do you think? Only 19 years old, has a little bit of pro experience, Mm -hmm. came over from Europe, went to Baylor. What do you think?
3: So I've kind of been going back and forth on Sohan, and right now I'm on kind of one of my peaks where I'm more curious in him.
2: Peaks so um, in. <laughs> peak, I'm peak so in right now, yeah. He's,
3: his age is a huge upside, right? Um, mm-hmm. It might limit his ability to contribute earlier, When you, especially relative to a Keegan Murray, who's just one of the more probably ready-made prospects in the draft. So some I don't really hold against him necessarily, but um, as far as being able to contribute early, but the size is great, or the age, age is great. There's a little bit of the uh, Evan Turner hypothesis with him. You kind of mm-hmm. hit on it where he might need the ball to be effective. If he has the ball all the time, are you limiting the ceiling of your team when you have guys like Ant and Dame? But, you know, I think that you could actually do some really interesting stuff with him offensively. I think that if Stotts was still the coach, I'd maybe be a little bit more concerned since shooting was such a priority for those wing guys. Mm-hmm. I do think Chauncey's trying to do some different stuff. And maybe if he, you know, goes out and really reaches his ceiling, he'd be able to squint really hard and kind of see the potential for some – some Draymond splash bros type actions that Portland can run with Lillard and Ant. So I'm higher on them. Uh Great. And just drafting a guy who has a reputation for defense early. I like it. We need one.
2: You know, but, I'm, I'm happy you brought up both Evan Turner and Draymond Green, because I, I do see it, but I think because of his size, I'm hoping he's more Draymond now hoping someone's more Draymond is, is a pretty big step. I mean, you're talking Draymond. about s- someone who is, you know, a defensive maestro has been a linchpin and the backbone of, of one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. Um, the thing I do love about Sohan, when I talked about him being an irritant, and we're seeing it right now in the finals, I think Sohan, even if he is outmatched at the NBA level, has the DNA to absolutely compete and get a little dirty if he has to. And I know that turns off some NBA fans, and I know... There's some mixed feelings on on the Golden State Warriors, um, especially in this fan base. Should I have them myself. But I love Draymond Green. I love what he does as a competitor. I mean, Mm -hmm. I never want to see him put another player's health at risk. But as far as just never quitting and doing everything possible to win, I love it. And I, I think Jeremy Sohan is cut from the same cloth. We've seen it a little bit even in the NCAA tournament. And some of the other stuff he's done. I mean, there's no quit in him, and he's willing to, you know, really get in the trenches and, and fight. So
3: I'd be, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention that I do feel weird drafting guys early who didn't start on their college teams, even though he is 19 years old. He's young, he's on a good, good Baylor team. But, you know, for every Devin Booker that ends up going to the pros off riding the pine or coming off the pine in college, there are like three D on waiters for early lottery yeah. picks. So, You know, it it kind of concerns me a little bit, but it might just speak more to his malleability and his you know, he he played with about every he spent time on the floor with about every guy on that team Mm -hmm. baylor, right? And and contributed whenever he was out there and often closed games. So that makes me feel a little better and that likely his role at least early in Portland.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much he would see the floor early in his career. I think I think he's still got some things to figure out, especially just on offense. I, I don't know exactly what he's going to be doing on that side of the ball. Um,
4: <laughs> so that's a, and, that's a
2: play. Way to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like, know what he's doing. I don't know what he's going to be
3: doing on that side that, of the court, but if he doesn't yeah.
2: have the ball, man. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so um, <laughs> anyway, way to torpedo my, my well put together way. And I just sunk it myself anyway. One person you're not going to have to worry about on the offensive end of the floor is number three on my list. That is A.J. Griffin from Duke. He is one of the best three-point shooters in this entire class. He's a knockdown shooter. He does not need the ball for a very long time to be effective. He is a true floor spacer. 44.7% um, from distance last year. Um, played in a pro-style offense at Duke. Um, you know, is might have a little more to his game than we saw last season, but also for talking about you know, aberrations. Yes. He played in a very specific role, but he also stayed healthy last year, which has certainly not been the track record for AJ Griffin. Um, Dealt with a sequence of injuries throughout his prep career from ankle to knee to, you know, all you name it, it's probably happened to his lower legs. So uh, there is a little bit of concern there. Um, Athletically has it taken some explosiveness away from him he did measure very well. Um, he did not measure at the combine, but as pro day, six um, foot six, two hundred twenty-two pounds. Believed to have a wingspan right around, I believe, the six ten range. I don't have it written down, but he has, a, you know, a wingspan that could allow him to play a little bit of power forward as well. So, A.J. Griffin, polished shooter. What do you think? Do you like him if he falls into the Blazers' range, which he probably will be there if they stay at number seven?
3: Yeah, I would agree. Um, his injury history just really scares me, man. I I hate to even put that in the ether, but there's a lot of baggage there. And just when you're picking at seven, we're hopefully not going to be here again for a while. It's not like we're the Thunder here. You can just kind of throw throw picks out and go for potential. So for me, I'm kind of out. Um, the dude absolutely does stroke it. I kind of wonder if he just kind of harken back to that. Stotts versus Chauncey offense. He seems like a better fit in like a Stotts offense to me yep. um, than rather maybe what Chauncey's trying to do. I'm still not totally positive what Chauncey was trying to do since it was <laughs> such a messed up year, but yeah. we saw, we saw flashes of it. Right. So um, he also looked a little slow latterly, laterally to me when I watched him. And so I kind of wonder if he, is he a three? Is he actually more of a four defensively? I don't know. He might be completely fine. But yeah, so for for me, there's just a lot of questions there, and, and I just think there's some more intriguing options. I hope it at, at seven if we if we do stay there.
2: Yeah, his as far as his stance goes and lateral movement, um, one of the widest stances in in, in this <laughs> prospect pool. I mean, as far as where he gets his legs, even when he lands jump shots, and, and you know, you know, getting wide is one thing, but like he doesn't have the most fluid hips here. I mean, if you're thinking of more of like an NFL type comparison, we were talking about corners, um, you know, AJ Griffin, not really high on that list. There is a, you, you can, you know, it's like the tin man. You can, you can almost hear it squeaking and popping when he gets ready to start moving. <laughs> sounds, it like, like, like. sounds like so, me going down the stairs. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, there is some concern there for sure. I think that that is one of the questions, but again, absolutely dynamic shooter will be useful at the next level. If he stays healthy, um, even if it's just a floor spacer, but again, that comes back to the Keegan Murray type question of, are you drafting for floor? Are you drafting for ceiling at this point in the lottery? And AJ Griffin is certainly, you know, a little bit more on the floor side, in my opinion. Um, finally, as far as, you know, some of these lottery three fours that I want to talk about as a player, we've also talked a lot about on this show is Tari Eason. Um, from Seattle, you know how that Seattle Portland connection we keep. Oh, talking yeah, about. baby. But as far as this podcast goes, there is a connection here. You know, this show was named after Brandon Roy. Um, Tari Eason played under Brandon Roy at Garfield. Um, when Brandon Roy stepped back, he Tari went to Federal Way and then back to Garfield. So, you know, so c- certainly sounds like he is loyal to Brandon Roy, which you know that's always gonna win points in my book. As far as what he is a player here that did measure at the Combine. Uh, six foot eight, seven two wingspan, 217 pounds, only 5.9% body fat. So very impressive numbers there. Um, Brian, on a previous episode, has mentioned Kawhi Leonard um, here as far as what he might be able to do defensively at the next hey, level. Measurables
3: mostly. Let's measurables. not get carried away. Here. Let's I, not know, get what carried I'm
2: I mean, I haven't gotten into his profile. I'm just talking about, you know, what he measured yeah. at. Yeah. Um, that being said. Very athletic player, great first step, great burst, um, reloads between jumps very quickly, is going to fight for every rebound. Got a little bit of that Ed Davis in him a little bit, young Ed Davis. um, Can really match anyone's quickness, and that's positions one through five. I mean, he is that type of athlete. Um, He should be very versatile on defense. That being said, he was foul prone at LSU, um, got himself in foul trouble quite often. Um, so he's got to dial that in, which that's typical for bigs, which might hurt his playing time early in his career, offensively, something I've talked about before he is maybe the most right-hand dominant lottery (laughs) prospect I've ever seen. (laughs) So like he, uh, he's going to his right defenders know he's going to his right and he still goes to his right, which does lead into some of his foul prone issues. I mean, they're not all (laughs) defensive. This guy racks up charges. So I don't know how much he's actually going to have the ball and how much you're going to ask him to put it on the deck at the next level. So that might mitigate some of that, but I have my questions as far as how soon he will be ready to contribute on an NBA team. But as far as what he is athletically and size wise, it's tough to find a better prospect in that lottery range than Tari Eason. Brian, I know you love him. Talk to me about Tari Eason.
3: Yeah, I'm certainly higher on him than you are. Um, You know, admittedly, I don't know if I'd love him at seven. You know, I think if you could maybe get one of Charlotte's picks and you're moving down and you get more in that, like, 12, 14 range, whatever whatever they're at, you'd probably like that a little bit more. But I think, you know, if he wasn't so right-hand dominant, I think maybe seven would be a very good landing spot. And to me, I just think of, you know, kind of there's some comparisons to so in here with his – they are different defensive players, but Mm -hmm. the guy's springy, plays hard, and – he's going to make an impact when he steps on the floor early in his career, just defensively. And you watch these playoffs and it's like, what kind of guys are on the floor in the playoffs guys who are defending. And so a, a guy who's this switchable, this, you know, athletically gifted and guy gives a shit. He hustles and he plays really, really hard. And so I think I'd rather roll the dice on a guy like that rather than some of these other guys. So uh, he is another guy who didn't start all the time. Yep. Yep. So it's like, watch out. But yep. to me, I'm, I'm higher on Tari's tar probably the most. And it's really just because of the switchability, the athleticism. And you just kind of hope that, you know, I don't think you're drafting drafting him to, like you said, put the ball on the floor and, and take threes. I think he's probably your fifth option out there, especially early in his career. But mm-hmm. you're getting him just to be just a really, really versatile defender.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, I want to just mention one thing real quick before we I go too far and kind of wrap things up on Tari Eason. But as far as the four players that we've talked about so far, I think at number seven, the only players on this list I'm really comfortable the Blazers taking at number seven is probably Keegan Murray and A.J. Griffin. Like, I, I think you, you just take the camp – like, you almost go for floor there, um, which – you know, it's counterintuitive to what I really preach, but I, I think those are the players that you take there because I just think there's so much variability for Jeremy Sohan and Tari Eason mm-hmm. that you could really end up with a lemon there, but you could also end up, you know, with a diamond. So I, uh, yeah, as of those four players, I would definitely feel more comfortable with the Blazers traded down to maybe get Jeremy Sohan or Tari Eason. Although Sohan, we have seen him come up draft boards in recent weeks. Um, as far as the player goes, though, you're absolutely right about who's playing in this finals. Like Tari Eason is a lot more Robert Williams than, than players that the Blazers currently have on their roster. Um, so I I do see it. He can stay on the floor. He can be an irritant. He can lock down someone in the post and, you know, he can step out on a screen on the perimeter. He can stop a knockdown shooter in time, in theory, if he reaches his ceiling. So, um, he's got a long ways to get there, but you definitely see it. So those are the four lottery guys that we want to talk about threes, fours. Again, we're going to talk about more perimeter players, which you might see some threes end up in that conversation when we, we revisit it because I think Dyson Daniels, for instance, or even Ben Mathren, you know, they trend maybe a little bit more towards a three or could play three. So those are guys we're going to talk about next week. Um, Finally, second round options. Someone who I would be very interested in the Blazers may be taking a chance on at number 36 in the second round is Jake LaRiva from Wake Forest, played two years at Indiana State before transferring to the ACC, stepped right into a higher level of competition, was a four average 14 points per game. Um, is again, a little bit like Keegan Murray, like a, a watered-down version, very watered-down <laughs> version, but is efficient inside the arc And outside, low volume from outside, but still, you know, uh, around 40% shooter, Um, only 2.2 attempts per game. So, again, low volume, but has shown he can space the floor. Um, Again, a really smart player, a lot like Sohan, both defensively and offensively. He's a little more, he's definitely athletically limited compared to the players we've been talking about but he's really smart as far as positioning, getting to the right place. And that transfers to offense too. He has a really good feel of when to get to the dunker spot or when to step outside. Like he's never really caught in a bad spot. When you watch his film, he's either you know, making himself a cutter and getting the dunker spot and really making himself a target underneath. Or when the situation calls for it, he you know rotates outside, makes himself available and maintains that floor spacing. So again you know a player that might not have a super high ceiling just because of his athletic limitations but certainly is a player who seems like he has tools that will help him at the next level and he has the intelligence to contribute maybe early in his career and has the feel for the game to maybe contribute a little earlier you know as a a limited role player of course as we're talking about the second round here Mm -hmm. so brian any thoughts on jake lariva wake forest
3: my bag doesn't go that deep, Steve. I didn't. Even, I didn't even know who this guy was until like three weeks ago. And uh, but but doesn't seem like he's getting a ton of hype. It seems like one of those smart players that obviously he's. You know, he's got he's got some words, right? He's in the second round. It sounds like it, there's some athleticism concerns there, but yeah, why not? Yeah. Third, third, I should have mentioned he's he's he's, he's above six three. So if they draft yeah, him, yeah. I'll be cool
2: with it. He is that. Speaking of his measurements, real quick, I didn't mention at the top, he did measure at the combine, did perform well at the combine. I think it was why people have started to hear about him a little bit more as the draft gets closer. Um, Measurement-wise, nothing to write home about. Six foot eight, six foot nine and a half wingspan, 227 pounds, 9% body fat. So again, a, you know, when you're looking at some of the other people in this, you know, some of the other players we've talked about, there's a clear line of what's a lottery type player and what's a second round type player, but don't knock Jake LaRiva just because of that. I think he's a very smart player. He's shown that he can handle a a significant jump in competition. I think he's going to be a useful NBA player and someone that I think the Blazers should definitely, you know, hopefully entertain in that second round. So anyway, those are the power forwards, the small forwards, some of them. So that's what we got this week. Again, we're going to look at perimeter players. We're going to talk about, a whole new host of rumors next week. So that's all I got this week. Brian, anything before we get out of here, go abs. I'm sure you're excited. I know you're excited. So go ahead.
3: Go abs. Uh, been entertained NBA finals so far as well. So it's just a pretty damn good time to be a sports fan, Steve. Even if your team is picking seventh and at least we got all these rumors to keep going, you know what yep. I mean? So
2: yep. formula good. one's back this week. You know, I'm just going to be waking up early to watch some god-awful race that's half around the world so i'll be up at 6 a.m watching that and then uh next week we'll probably be recording a little early i'm headed down to new orleans next week so i'm excited to go watch do out. that. yeah so um anyway thank you for listening as always uh hopefully we have a whole new batch of rumors when we talk next week so thank you everybody see you
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy pod. We'll see you next week.
4: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car,